we ask that uh, we would all leave here understanding more about who you are in your world and who we are in your world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. If you need Bibles, we're going to pass those out. And uh, can we pass out the papers too, please? I can, get, I can get this and you can get the papers going. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Mac Ave, as you know, we, uh, we do books out of Bible. Right now we're in a book of Exodus. If you are new, uh, Mac Avers get that. Uh, just making sure that when I do put it up, it won't fall. Thank you, brother. Cool. We are in uh, the book of Exodus in uh, chapter 3. If you uh, are wanting to be a part of the journey with us, we would love that. We ask you to go ahead and go ahead and listen to the few sermons uh, that you've missed to catch on up. That would be great. And uh, right now we are are talking about a very awesome issue here. Thank you, young brother. Um, if you need Bibles, you can raise your hand, and a pastor will be passing them out to you right now. Uh, we want you to be in a word, navigating the scriptures. Our heart here is not for us just to get smart. We want to be smarter. We want to be intelligent, because what we do and how we worship is really predicated on who we know and what we know. And so, uh, so it's important to gain information, but not just so we can puff up ourselves, but so that Christ can be exalted. So that's our posture here as we, we do this um, serious study and things of that sort so that the Lord can be exalted. If you have questions, go ahead and raise, raise your hand. Uh, might not, because of our time, we've, been, we've had a lot of stuff going on today. I would ask you actually to come and see me afterwards unless I say something totally that's crazy and it's, it's turning the church away from Jesus, then raise your hand. But uh, other than that, uh, you come see me afterwards and we can discuss theology. And hopefully if I um, have the answer, I'll provide that. If not, we'll do some research um, for you. Hey, guys, so we're, uh, you see these papers? Uh, put those, hold those, and I want to encourage you to have a, piece, have a pen maybe and a, a place to be able to write something down the road um, toward the middle of our time here today. I'm going to give us a little, a little task, okay? So um, just store that in your heart and mind. Hey, we're talking about the name, uh, the importance of names. You think of our culture these days, if I can just share with you, um, important, names are extremely important. Uh, the sad reality is uh, sometimes we don't see names as important. By God's grace, you know, we had, when we had our kids, God began to give us, uh, as being Christians, we realized that, man, names are important. We wanted to think about how we were going to name our kids. Uh, and so... When we had our twins, I don't know if you guys know our journey with our, our twins, our little miracle kids. Uh, one of them had, had a really a big issue, and we um, didn't know if they would make it. And so when they were born, um, we uh, named Connor, Connor, uh, which is actually a, 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 an Irish name, but it means brilliant and much wanted uh, because of the fact that God uh, gave him uh, to us, and we wanted to affirm that, Lord, he was much wanted, and we're so glad that God allowed him to be our child. It also means brilliant as well, which, I mean, we are biased, but we do think our kids are brilliant, but don't all parents. And, um, and then Joel um, is a Hebrew word, um, who is his, his brother, his younger brother by five minutes, uh, which means Yahweh is God. Uh, we had a great time just learning how to be parents for the first time with two kids. It was pretty intense and crazy. God gave us that grace, though, to do that. Uh, then we uh, were pregnant with Lauren, uh, my sweetheart wife. We, she birthed Lauren. Uh, Lauren, uh, we, we were thinking about her name, what to name this uh, young baby girl. We named her, obviously, Lauren, uh, which means crown with honor. 
um, that, that they, one day, you know, as she continues to walk and enjoy Jesus, that truly uh, she would be just a, a, a walking honor vessel for the Lord, uh, crowned with honor. And then we uh, continued on to do life as a Russ family, and, and the Lord provided another blessing, um, another little boy, right? And we, we named him Eli, uh, which is a, uh, basically the word God was a declension. So it basically it means my God. Um, right, basically exalting Christ for who he is, uh, that he would one day uh, continue to uh, hopefully uh, retell his name by, by exalting God um, in his life. So, and then we continued on, and, and then we, we, um, we loved the name, and we, we, we had another baby, um, our fifth kid, and, and for some reason we just liked this name, but then we realized the meaning, and we said, well, Carter. And it means driver of a cart. And so, so we kind of fell off with the deep component of it all. I tell you this now so that when he's older, no jokes. Okay? Um, but as we continue to want to make sure, we do see it's important to have meanings uh, that really exalt Jesus um, in our kids' names. And so we uh, named him Carter Michael. Uh, which is a, uh, it's a, de- a derived question uh, that Hebrews of old would always ask, who is like God? So Michael means who is like God, Carter Michael. Um, I bring that up to say, you know, here we are uh, naming our kids. And when you name your kids, we, we pause and we think about what it means. Like, uh, like, what are we trying to, why are we naming this kid this, right? And, and, and if we don't, we should. And just to let you understand, the patriarchs of old was very important. Uh, that when they named someone, they usually named someone based on what was going on during that journey for them um, or what they were hoping uh, the child <clears throat> to eventually be or prophetically what that child would become, right? And so now you have here, when we get into the book of Exodus and we're in chapter 3, you have the scenario that we've just seen. We have God's people ending things by being aliens when we enter into the book of Exodus, being aliens in a land uh, that's not theirs. Uh, They move from being just simple aliens uh, to actually being slaves and actually being killed. Uh, The the boys were actually being killed and murdered uh, because of uh, the edict of the Pharaoh. And then God finally sees, as we're continually reading through the passage, he looks and sees the people of Israel, and he basically says, we're not going to have this anymore, right? And so what he does, he brings a a child who's supposed to be murdered, uh, but actually the child is saved, and and just to show the power and the sovereignty of God, he not only saves the child, he raised the child right in the courts of his enemy, right? So he raises the child, he has the enemy raise his child, and raises them up to be powerful. Then he actually breaks the child down because obviously, um, if you know the story, if you go listen to a few of the sermons, Moses grows up. He wants to protect uh, some of his Hebrew brothers, and he kills an Egyptian. Word gets out. Now Pharaoh wants to kill Moses. Moses runs, and all of a sudden he was the prince of Egypt. He was raised in the courts of his enemy, and now he's stripped back down to basically an Israelite, a Midianite, a Midianite as we would say, uh, that we saw last week and all of a sudden he's walking around he's he's a shepherd he's he doesn't have much money he's shepherding his father-in-law's flock he comes up to this burning bush and he's like what's going on here with this burning bush and we talked a lot about God revealing himself 
And so right now, today, we're in the midst of something extremely important. And what I did was I paused at the end of, of verse 12 because I knew this would take a lot of time. And so all I'm doing today is going to read, we're going to do verse 13, 14, and 15 because I want us to pause. And man, if, if there's some way, Holy Spirit, would you allow people to be able to listen, to understand the magnitude that we're talking about when we talk about God revealing his name. I want you to continue to, I, my prayer is that there will be a respect and an awe that we recover as we understand what that means when God does that. So hopefully I can walk us through that well and learn and hopefully lead us toward worship, worshiping this known God. In his burning bush, he's talking with Moses. Moses, he says, I love you. I want to be your friend. Pause. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. You're not dealing with someone like yourself. And then verse 13, he, tell, well, he basically tells Moses, you're going to be my deliverer. You're going to be my agent that I'm going to use to bring the people of God, my people, up out of Egypt. And then Moses, who was sitting here, again, broke dude. Uh, he's shepherding his father-in-law's flock. He's a Midianite. He's gone through so much. He's been in the wilderness for many years, over about 40 or so years. And all of a sudden, he's just like... Probably thinking, well, who am I? I'm kind of a nobody. And he says, listen, verse 13, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, which is where we are beginning right now. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So here's Moses in a culture that's polytheistic, right? That means that you believe in all kinds of different gods. Uh, that's pantheistic which means many individuals believe that God and nature were actually one and that actually the earth is alive and all this craziness, right? That was actually syncretic, which means syncretism is that you kind of borrow and you take aspects from all kind of different religions, right? He's saying, how am I going to, in this culture, where understanding this whole concept of you acting like you're the one true God, how, I talk to Israel, when I go to these people, how are they going to know how are they going to believe? Right? He's addressing the sons of Israel. And I want to propose here, he's basically talking about the issue of collateral. He's saying, look, I don't have much, basically, high, more high ground to go to people telling them that I'm connected to this one true God. But also, he's talking about the issue of probability and possibility, right? Because he's saying, hey, wait a minute. We've been enslaved for over almost 200 or so years. Right? We've been in exile for, for 400, but we've been enslaved for about 200 years. And if you are saying you're the, you've heard our cries, you're all powerful, you're all knowing, and that now you're going to come and deliver us, where have you been the last 200 years? If you can do that, this is that simple, you just kind of say it and it happens, then why have we been going through this? So I just need to know, God... If I go to these people and say, oh, you, that the God of the world created everything has always been on our side. Who am I going to say you are? Right? I'm proposing, he's actually asking, like, can you do it? Who, like, do you have the power to do this? And look what happens. Verse 14. God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said this. To the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Look, in this text here, 
Here's what he does. His name actually appears here in a text, but he still has not given his name. These are derivatives. He's given you, he's, he said his name in different ways, but he hasn't said, this is my name. Actually, he stars. Look what he says. His answer is, God said to Moses, I am who I am. Moses says, so what am I to say? Like, who, how do I introduce you? He didn't say, well, here's my name. You know what he does? He starts by saying, first of all, before we can get into you want to know my name, for you to understand who I am, trying to put me in a box or trying to understand the answer here, I need you to understand something that I'm going to give you not the answer yet. I'm going to help you understand the nature of who I am. You see that? He doesn't tell him who he is yet. He tells him the basic nature, the absolutism of who he is. Now, that's really powerful that he doesn't answer him yet. What he says is basically, I am being, I am, or the ising one. He wants him to know that, Moses, I'm not a concept, that I'm an actual act of being. Now, I am who I am is not his name, right? He answers the question before he says his name. You see that? He answers the question basically, so what am I to say? He says, before you worry about my name, let me tell you something. The most basic thing in all of life, and this is why we got to pause here. The most basic thing is that before we move on, before we talk about my name, you need to understand that I am. That I am existence. That God is who he is. Right? It's the most basic We listen to that and we can't even grasp it. It's the most basic understanding of all of creation, but it's also the most amazing, the most ultimate, right? It's almost like um, I was reading John Piper. He's talking about it's like having a sandwich, right? That the, the, the basic understanding that God is who he is is kind of the basic floor that you have to start on in life, but also it's the most ultimate, right? That everything, everything in life hangs in the balance of the reality of who God is. Everything. I was, um, there's nothing more foundational in life. I was talking to a friend of mine who, uh, sadly, I was talking to you guys about my buddy who's trying to divorce his wife. And, and um, this was a couple of days ago. And the Lord had something like this pop up. We started talking and I said to him, so help me understand, like, what, what, what worldview are you using like, what, 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 what framework of thinking are you using to go through with what you're doing? Right? Like, like where, where are you getting, like, what framework are you working from? Where's your, like, how do you navigate the world? How do you, what are you using to navigate the world? And he said, like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, for me, you can disagree, but I believe there's a God. You see that? The most basic starting point, I believe that there is an all-powerful God who has made everything, who controls everything. And in that, I believe also, what separates everyone else from Christianity, we believe that God is personal and we can know him. So I not only believe there's a God, but I believe I can know him. That he can be my friend, actually. And that in Christ, I am, my sins are paid for, I'm righteous, and I can be in relationship with God. And then while I'm in relationship with God, now I have the ability by his grace and his power to look at his world, to look at life, and navigate my life accordingly. That now because I believe there's a God, and now I believe his son, and he empowers me, I can actually live fully as a human. This is what I believe. So therefore, if I believe that, that means the way I love my wife... The way I choose friends, 
the way I go to work, when I play sports, the way I drive, whatever you name, the things I do is all coming from that framework, correct? Right? So, buddy, what's your framework? What, what in your mind says it's the right thing to say to some lady, I want to give my life to you and I'm going to always be there for you. And then after three kids say, I'm done. Just tell me. I just want to know. You know what he said to me? He said, well, my framework is um, I have five lawyers who told me to do this and myself. I say, you're saying that the way you're navigating life is from two frail, five frail, broken, messed up, baggage-driven, evil lawyers and you? And he looked and he kind of paused. He kind of just, you can tell he wasn't saying it on the phone. He's like, I'm like, you understand how, how, how scary that is? See, the most basic element of life is that God is. And if God is, it should change everything. It should change everything. I am has sent me to you. He says that. But he's still talking about the concept and he's prepping him at this point. He's prepping him to understand the majesty of who he is before he tells him his name still. Isn't that awesome? He's like, then you need to understand before you want to know who I am. I want to get all personal. Trying to go on a date. First, you got to know who you're dealing with. I am existence. (laughs) I am being, right? He's saying, you tell him that the one who's made and done everything has sent you, right? This reality makes the reality that you can know the Lord even more glorious. And I'll I'll get into that in a moment. What he does, he moves on in verse 15, guys. Sets it up, moves on in verse 15, and he finally begins to say his name. Look what he says here. God also said to Moses... And right now, at that point, he's been operating in the first person, using the, the divine name in the first person. Still hasn't said it, but now he's about to move to the third person. He says, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my name forever. Right? And thus I am to be remembered throughout all the generations. Let me say a few things here. First, it's interesting Because in Genesis, they knew the divine name, right? There's some passages here. I probably skipped them if you can go back to them in Genesis uh, for the sake of time where uh, the the patriarchs of old were using and talking about Yahweh in a personal sense. And I think what the author's trying to do here is not not that this is the first time that they've ever heard of the divine name of God. But what he's trying to show us is that after those 400 years, something has happened with the people of Israel where they've forgotten and they, have, they don't have a personal, intimate relationship with their Lord. To the point where Moses got to go, who are you? So they had, a, they had a general concept. They were doing religion, right? But for some reason, they had to be reacclimated, reintroduced, right, in this passage here. And God is so cool. He ain't mad. He's like, okay, you forgot me, but now let me remind you of who your forefathers worshipped. Right? And so he says, I am, he says once in verse 12, three times in verse 13, and then he says it here in a third person form, say to the people, Yahweh, the Lord Yahweh has sent me to you. This is my name forever. 
right? You see what he does here? Let me do this. Um, what he does here is he changes things because you go from God to Yahweh. It's kind of like you're going from um, Dr. Ott. You ever had that? You know what happens, right? You go into an office. Someone says, oh, hi, hi. You know, I'm, I'm Dr. Ott. Nice to meet you. And you connect and you have a connection. And he's caring for your kids. And then you connect it for a while. And finally, one day you go in and you say, hey, Dr. I don't act. He says, call me Matt. Right? We're on another level now. Call me Matt. See, Elohim, God, is God's title. Yahweh is his name. And so at this point, he said, no, I want you to know my name. Yahweh, right? All right, we're going to ask questions early, huh? So my man John asked, where does Jehovah come in? So we move, let me, let me go and get right to it actually. We move from the sense of Elohim God to Yahweh, right? This whole concept is, is um, I am, absolutely I who I am. It's the most important aspect of who we are as Christians. To answer your question, brother, can you get your paper out? Paper out, pull it out, pen, please. Thank you. And I know. All right. So we'll kill two birds with one stone. Here's what I want you to do. I want to talk about this. I want to have you write some Hebrew with me, okay? And do a little, do a little history. All right. You guys ready? You got your pen out? Everybody got your pen out? Wave them in the air like you just don't care? All right. All right. So what we're writing, and when you write in Hebrew, you actually write from the right to the left. Okay. I want you to first, your first letter, right, is a yod. Yoda. But don't worry about that. Just write the letter. Um, I'm going to do it. I'm trying to I'll do this here. So it's kind of like you can do like a big comma maybe. Uh, let me see here. All right. Like a little long comma. So you have your yuck. Okay. Now you're going to write your, your hey. Uh, yeah, because yeah, in Hebrew, you write from the right to the left. All right. So you, now there's all kind of little dits and dots that we can do, but uh, we're not going to do that right now. We're going to write it um, like an antiquity. Okay. So it's like a seven with a one. And more people who's more specific will put little curves and stuff here. But for a sake, you write your hey. You know what? Let me write a little bigger. I'm sorry, guys. Hey. And then you're going to make like a, yeah, like a vibe, like a, like a, a little cricket seven. Yod, hey, wav, hey. Okay. The divine name, John. So 
Jehovah comes from this, the divine name. Mm-hmm. Now, I bring this up because guess what? So basically this name that is mentioned in the scriptures here, right? Before the Lord, as he, as he shares his personal name, it's what you call in theological circles, this is the Tetragrammaton, is that it was a holy name. And guess what, guys? The people saw it as so holy that they would never, they would never speak it. They wouldn't speak it. I just want us to get this concept here. And in fact, vowels, they never put vowels to the name until like the medieval times, like 500 AD at minimum, maybe. In fact, look at your Bibles to this day when it says Yahweh, it says the Lord. Yahweh is not translated the Lord. The reason why they do that is because the name, the divine name is so to be respected and revered is that people didn't want to write the divine name in the Bible. So what we did is we write the Lord and we, cur- we make capital L-O-R-D, right? Have you noticed that? I show you this to show you that in the minds of antiquity of the people of God back then, his name, understanding his character, was so important that at, when they thought about his name, they revered him so much that only the high priests would say it, <laughs> And that was only during times of sacrifice. Now get that in your heads for a little bit. And, and just a commercial. That's why you think, you think about us when we, when we cuss, when we take the Lord's name in vain. Right? When, you, when, we, make, when we make minimal God's name. Right? When you're saying the Lord Jesus or God and you're saying it flippantly. This is, this is one of the reasons it's, it's important for us to probably pause because we need to understand that his name is weighty. It means something. And so to this, flippantly, oh yeah, is totally disrespecting our Lord. Now, I bring that up and you go, okay, that's cool. We learned a little Hebrew. I want you to keep that because I want to talk about, well, what is it, what's in the name? What does it mean when you and I talk about the absoluteness of God? We talk about him being uh, the, uh, the ising one. What are we talking about here? I want to go through a few things. Here's what we're saying as Macav. Here's what I'm saying up here. Here's why we drew this up. Here's what we're saying when we consider that he's talking to Moses. And he says, I want you to understand who I am before you understand my name. Here's what he's trying to say. First, that Yahweh is reality. Right? That Yahweh is absolute. That would be first. He is reality. That there is no reality. The reason why, I love that, right? God gives himself a name. Isn't it cool? You get to name yourself. There's no reality before God, family. There's no reality outside of God. He is what reality is. Right? So he's all that was, he's, he's all that is. There's like, like, there's no, there was no space. It wasn't like there was space and then God filled space. There was no space before God. There was no nothing before God. God is just is. There's no emptiness. You read in Genesis at the beginning, oh, and there's emptiness, and then God kind of comes and fills emptiness. As if there was emptiness and God was in emptiness. There was no emptiness when there was before God. God made emptiness. Right? 
There's no room for it. There's nowhere that God didn't make. Can you get your, arm, your mind around that? This is what we believe. When we talk about Jehovah, we're saying Yahweh, we're saying, wow, the absolute one, the big one. Yahweh means he has no beginning or end, right? Um, the catechisms. I love the catechisms, right? We started off, right? who made God? We sing the songs at our crib. Who made God? Let's say, when the kids ask you that, sweetheart, nobody made God, Right? Right? Nobody made God, sweetie. <laughs> he, he's always been. He never came into being. He, he's, he, he always was. He never fades. He, he is being, family. You think about that? No, I get this engineers and smart guys. I'm looking at my, my boy Kevin processing that. Man, he's... <laughs> think about that. You can't go outside of being, right? Before he creates, it was just him. Yahweh is, means he's independent. Yahweh means he's independent. Now, as you're thinking about all these things, think about, think about the fact, and you can know him. He's independent. He depends on nothing. He doesn't get advice, right? He doesn't have meetings. What do I do with Jupiter? No one, you know what I'm saying? No one's supporting God. You know what I'm saying? He ain't in no circle with people talking about, I'm God, what's your name? Right? He's totally independent. Everything, everything else is contingent and dependent on him. Yahweh is constant. You ever think about that? The fact that he's constant, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We say that, but think about that. He's fully constant. He can't be improved upon. He doesn't get better. He doesn't, he doesn't grow. Isn't that crazy? When you just always, always know everything. You don't gain knowledge. Knowledge doesn't detract from you. You just, it's just always there. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't you know, he doesn't have a development league. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a rookie year. Right? He starts off, boom, I'm just perfect. I've always been perfect. Right? Perfection can't be improved upon. He's not bound. Now think about that one. God's not bound. See, that's, now that's hard for us as, as sinful people. Really, he does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and what he wants. And he does what pleases him. Not you. Him. Right? And guess what? Whatever he does, because he does it, it's always, by definition, right and beautiful. So people look in the Bible, why did God do that? That's messed up. Not anymore. God did it. He doesn't have a, there's not some outside standard that he's trying to attain to. You get that, guys? He is the standard. Some of us, we try to say, but God, this is how things are supposed to be. God, I, I, I made that. He's not bound. Being, he, he governs it as, as all his. He's, he's just utterly free from constraints. His being is absolutely free. He always does what he wants, right? He's incomparable. 
Think about that. Think about that in light of the gospel. If he's incomparable, that means everything is less than nothing. Think about that. He's, he's incomparable. He's here. You know, um, if you don't understand that, it, I think you miss the understanding of the cross even. Think about it. Um, think about my man, you know, put, pick on you, Justin, okay? It kind of makes sense. Even though it would be cool, it kind of makes sense if Justin was to die for Dominic, right? It's his dad. You know, that's, that's his son. We'd be like, that was cool. That was valid. It was valor there. It was awesome. But we wouldn't be like, that's just outside of the realm of understanding, right? Dad, son, get it. Now consider that he has a little ant in the driveway. And he's upset that the ant is being treated with value, purpose, and worth. And he says, man, I love this ant. I'm going to die for him. Right? And he gets crucified right in the driveway for the ant. Now, I know that pales in comparison, but when you are less than nothing, I want you to understand the beauty of the cross. He didn't just die because he was kind of, he's God. We're nothing. And yet what it does, it doesn't magnify. Now, here's the difference. Satan wants to fool you and make you magnify your nothingness. No, it should magnify God's love. It shouldn't be about you. It should be like, wow, that's a loving dude when you die for an ant. Right? That's God. Incomparable. The scripture says in Isaiah 40, verse 17, if you think I'm lying, he says, man, the nations are less than nothing. (laughs) You know? Everything depends upon Yahweh family. Everything. You think about that. That's why it's ridiculous when we think Satan has some kind of, he's secondary. Everything depends on God. In fact, if God was to, t- think about it, God changes his mind and what he was doing becomes not. Like, what do you think it takes for God to destroy the world? Just to say destroyed. Entire universe is secondary. God is primary. Moment by moment, God is holding everything together. Yahweh is a standard of truth and goodness, as we've said before. He's the absolute standard. There's no markers for him. He's not attaining to something. Even when you think of that, that, that sense of standard of beauty, you think of the world, we're singing hallelujah, right? And uh, whenever you see that derivative, of that ah, many times uh, when we're singing songs, hallelujah, uh, those, those are derivatives of of, of the being one, praising, praise the one who is. That's what you're saying, by the way. Hallelujah. Praise the, the, the being one, the absolute one. He is the standard of goodness. Finally, the reason why we wrote this, when you think of the divine name, that men and women were nervous to write down and to put vowels by it and to pronounce it because they understood, they, they had a reverence that, man, this is who he is, that he's the most important. That in life, God is the most important. He's worthy of your highest interests, right? Because he's the most important, he's supposed to get your deepest adoration. And guess what? 
He is like that for the whole world, the whole universe, the whole cosmos. That's who God is. That's who God is. And so when he says to Moses, this is my name. He's saying, this is who I am. And guess what, family? You think of someone that gigantic. And then you think the divine name can be known. Guess what? Guess what God does? He gives us a divine name. He gives us thousand years, few thousand years to show us the importance of his name, of his character. And then he says, hey, guess what? You can know that name. Yahweh is Jesus. You see what he does there? You see what he does in the New Testament? He says, there is a supreme name above all other names. Wait a minute. Above all other names? Above all other names. Right? Philippians 2. And you can know him. That God who is all-knowing, right? Who, who is incomparable says you can know and experience his love. By realizing your state, realizing that you and I are broken, that we've sinned against God, but that look at his mercy and his grace and his love. And that by trusting in Christ who died on the cross for you and me to show that great love for which he loved us, we can experience a relationship with God. Indeed, family, names in the Bible are extremely significant. And guess what? You and I and Moses gets the good news. That God, that God we just talked about, says, I want to have a relationship with you. Think about that. Guess what? I want to close with this. Think about, this is so difficult because it's so here. And a question on the table is, do we hear that? Do we understand and counter the reality of who God is? And then we go on on our days as if it absolutely does not matter practically. How will you go on now, guys? How will you now live? My prayer is that we would realize that we can't really enjoy life, humanity, or anything apart from understanding who God is. My prayer is that we would all come home to Jesus and we would all enjoy Christ. That's what he wanted for Moses. He was introducing himself to Moses so that Moses would introduce him to the people so that he would have a relationship with his people on God's terms. May we do the same as we go out into our community. May we do the same in our own lives. Yahweh, Jehovah, that's his name. I'm going to pray for us. Do a time of communion and a time of tithe and offering.